This is the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, Scotty Wrestling. We are back once again after a long, tumultuous week of me being very tired and very, very, very busy. But I'm happy to once again bring you my own twist on wrestling podcasting, which so many of you are so nice to listen to week after week after week. So, as always, we are probably going to start with SmackDown, but we have a lot to cover this week, including SmackDown, Impact, Awful Raw, NXT, AEW, Stardom, and my match of the week, as well as an update on Hana Kimura and another tease for the announcement. The Hana Kimura show, by the way. I just wanted to put that up there. So... Why don't we just start off with SmackDown, because this could be a very long episode. So, SmackDown. Again, very good show. Most weeks, pretty good to very good show. That really is the blessing. And the current story they're telling between Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, and Cesaro, to me, is some of the best stuff they've been telling. And it's not really a shock when you look at who's involved, but it's a blessing to see someone like Cesaro involved. Because for so many years, you know, that wouldn't be the case with Cesaro. He wouldn't be in this main event feud. But, clearly the higher-ups, a.k.a. Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan, have put in a good word that, hey, it's his time to shine. And he is shining. Roman Reigns has been very vocal. He's not given Cesaro a match. But, but the big announcement at the end of SmackDown was that he will give Daniel Bryan a match for the Universal title one more time. If... Roman Reigns wins, however. Daniel Bryan is banned from SmackDown and possibly from WWE. They haven't been very clear on that, but it sounds like his time with SmackDown could be coming to an end unless they pull the big swerve. So this coming week on SmackDown will be Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. Maybe the biggest match in SmackDown history, at least current SmackDown history. And Cesaro was very much on Daniel's side, so it's very interesting to see very interesting to see where that goes. Aleister Black made his first appearance in a very long time. Uh, it's got to be almost a year now. He had a little vignette, you know, discussing his past and what he learned when growing up. He's still a very dark character. And it's probably he's going to be a heel. But it's nice to see Aleister Black 
back. I think it's been way too long that since we've seen him. I think it's really been a crime that we haven't seen him. So I'm really excited to see what he does, where he goes from here, because there's so much talent that he possesses. Bailey versus Bianca Belair has been made official for WrestleMania Backlash. Uh, I said previously that I think this is the perfect match for them to do to continuously build up who Bianca Belair is for them. Uh, it's a way to help solidify her feud, and it's also a good way to keep Bailey involved after a few months of really not being involved at all. I'm excited to see their match at WrestleMania Backlash. And WrestleMania Backlash, I hate calling it this because it's really annoying, but it's looking like a good show. Backlash is looking like a very good show. Um, Apollo Crews versus Kevin Owens for the, uh, was it for the title? I think it was for the title. Uh, pretty good match here. And I just want to say how Pat McAfee has been the clear best addition to commentary in a while. Um, I think, you know, he's really good at kind of being the fan for you. I think he's not he's not so serious like everyone else, and he's able to have fun out there. He kind of just picks and chooses who he likes. And anytime he's calling Roman Reigns stuff, I'm very entertained because it's like, that's your tribal chief, Michael Cole, and it's just fantastic. I think Pat McAfee's a great addition to SmackDown. Him and Cole have already shown some good chemistry, and I think they'll only get better in time. But the big event this week was Impact. Impact Rebellion, which with their biggest match in possibly Impact history, title versus title, the Impact World Champion, Rich Swan. Defends his championship against AEW World Champion Kenny Omega, who was defending his championship. Before we get to that match, however, I do want to say that it was awesome to see the former big cast, now W. Morrissey, um, that's his real name, um, appear in Impact. And not only appear, but look like a million bucks. He... From the moment he stepped out there to the moment he the match ended, he looked like a star. He looked like everything WWE imagined him to be. He looked like this killer instinct guy ready to just take out anything and anyone who got in his way. It's exactly what Big Cass could have been. And he looks to be in the best shape of his life, which is awesome because there was a time there that he had a lot of demons and... You can hear the interview. I think it's with uh, Chris Van Vliet. It's just an amazing, amazing story. And it's he's a guy you want to cheer for because the way his WWE career ended and the, you know, the tough road he went down, it was tough to see. But now he looks like he's not only clear from that in a sense that he can move on in his life and succeed, but he's in the best shape of his life. He's in the best shape of his life. And he's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem on Impact. Like, he's going to be a reason I watch Impact. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, 
Josh Alexander won the X Division title in a very good match between him, Ace Austin, and TJP. Ace Austin, the former world, uh, future world champion, as is Josh Alexander. But Alexander, this was a big moment for him. I think he's a star. I think he could be the one to beat Kenny Omega down the line. Like, that's how good he is. So that was really cool. Um, Deanna Perrazzo is the reason I even keep tracks of Impact most of the time. I mean, things have changed in the past week that will make me keep tabs even more. But, man, she is so good. And the way that WWE handled her still boggles me to this day. But it was Impact's greatest gain in a very long time. I think what she's able to do right now is absolutely magical and... She had a great match with Tennille Dashwood. They were very physical. Probably Tennille's best match in a very long time. And Deanna retained. And she should be facing probably Taylor Wilde next, which is exciting. And finally, the main event of the evening. Kenny Omega, Rich Swan. What a match we had here. It looked like Rich Swan injured himself early, but he was able to, you know, go on and still have a great match. A great match. And Ultimately, Rich Swan just didn't have enough. He just didn't have enough to beat Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is now the Impact World Champion. The AAA Mega Champion. And the AEW World Champion. The Belt Collector is nowhere close to done. And you ask yourself, what's next? What is next for Kenny Omega in his quest to collect all the belts? NWA, Nick Aldis, seems like a good spot. Ring of Honor, not going to happen. New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now that, that's an interesting one. While it's not likely he collects that belt, it could be likely we at least get a match between the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, whoever that may be by that time, and Kenny Omega in his quest to collect. It's very exciting. I'm really enjoying who Omega has become as this heel. And, you know, this week on Twitter, there was a lot of hate, a lot of, just a lot of toxic conversation about Kenny Omega. And I, I, I understand why. It's either... It's either he's the best in the world or people can't accept that he's not the best in the world in everyone's eyes. That's, you know, I get that. But to me, Kenny Omega is one of the most enjoyable people to watch week in and week out. And I think he's really, you know, found his own as a character and is finally near his New Japan level, at least character-wise. I'm still waiting for that major AEW signature match out of Kenny. But man, this match with Rich Swann was really good. And I think you should all check it out. So this year, much like last year, Impact going all in on the teases for Slammiversary. Another night expected to be very big. And in this year's tease, I believe we included Mickey James, Samoa Joe, Kazuchiko Okada, Tetsuya Naito, few others, they're really bringing the big teases right now for Slammiversary. And if they can get fans in attendance, 
I'm I'm on board. I'm on board for any surprise possible. It's a very interesting time for Impact. It's a shame they can't be in front of a crowd because I think what they're doing would work better in a sense if it were in front of a crowd. I think their momentum would begin to gain if they were in front of a crowd. Now, who knows? Time will tell if that is their goal for Slammiversary. But a lot of good things coming up for Impact. Who would have thunk? Now let's go to the complete opposite of good things here. And let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Now, when I began this podcast, I said I am going to be as positive as as possible, I'm going to be different from the rest and be someone positive and only talk about the positive things. But Monday Night Raw, week in and week out, does not allow that to happen. It just don't. It just don't. But there were some good things in a rather boring episode of Monday Night Raw. I don't even think it was bad this week. I think it was just boring. Very boring, very rinse and repeat like. However, Sheamus is one of those bright spots week week in and week out. And again, this week, he said he was going to do his open challenge. Humberto Carrillo answered again, but this time Humberto Carrillo brought the fight to Sheamus. And I think these two could have a pretty interesting match if Carrillo's allowed to, you know, give a little shine like he did here. I think it would be a fun match for Sheamus, you know essentially steamroll through and I'm loving this open challenge stuff by Sheamus I think Sheamus is one of the best going right now in WWE absolutely the best going on Raw I'm not going to lie about that it's it's wild it's absolutely wild and it's wild because two three years ago four years ago there was no way I'd be saying that about Sheamus. But Sheamus has found this style of you know just going 100% at all times. Just being an absolute badass and, you know, as physical as possible. And I welcome that. I welcome that in my wrestling show. It doesn't feel like Raw or usual WWE matches when Sheamus is involved. And again, that's a welcoming sign. We will take that. We will take that. Um, the only two other things major about the show is Braun Strowman is now in the WrestleMania Backlash WWE Championship match against Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. Um, he beat Drew, so that's happening. And RK-Bro, Randy Orton and Matt Riddle teamed up this week and successfully Defeated former Raw Tag Team Champion Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. Let's see how long RK-Bro goes. I can't imagine it going very long before Randy makes his turn. But that is it from Raw this week because I'm trying to be nice. So why don't we get on to NXT? NXT and AEW both nice, nice weeks once again. You know, that's all I asked for. All I ask for is nice weeks. Because, you know, without nice weeks on these shows, 
you would go insane as an American wrestling fan who watches only the stuff on television. You'd go insane. Thankfully, NXT and AEW tend to almost always deliver. So let's break it down into NXT. Mercedes Martinez versus Dakota Kai opened the show in a very physical matchup. I thought these two had a really fun match. Uh, maybe Mercedes' is best showing since coming back. Uh, Dakota Kai is always a good dance partner to have in there. And ultimately, the match ended when Raquel Gonzalez was fed up with Mercedes and beat her down. She beat her down all around the ring to an absolute shell of herself. It was really shocking because, you know, Raquel is somewhat portrayed as the babyface in this feud, but it really felt like Mercedes might be the way Raquel brought the pain to Mercedes Martinez. But these two are going to have a really physical, exciting match, I think, down the line. I believe it's in two weeks, they announced. So that should be fun. Uh, Cameron Grimes was in a jewelry store, was buying a new watch, gold watch. But it wasn't a diamond watch, because guess who bought the diamond watch? Ted DiBiase. Yeah, that was pretty funny, uh little segment there. Cameron Grimes is really enjoyable. I think that's a credit to who he's become. Um, he's still a great wrestler, but very enjoyable in this role. Bringing in DiBiase was, you know, good comedy. The Grizzled Young Veterans versus Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher was made for next week. That could be a really fun match. Uh, GYV was having a little promo in the ring. And then Champ and Thatcher were pretty upset. That and then they got in their face, started beating them down. These are two really good tag teams in the division. If we're you know keeping, if we're keeping Thatcher and Champa together, like it looks like we are, um, I I I was a fan of this. I was a big fan of this. I thought, you know, I thought it was a great decision by them to make them a team. And I feel like these two teams could have a really really good match next week. Swerve cut an awesome promo, uh, essentially telling Leon Ruff that they're going to have a false count anywhere match next week. That is going to be sweet. You know, I love Swerve. I've said it multiple times on the show. I think he's, you know, one of the most talented guys they have right there. And I'm happy that they're giving him and Leon Ruff this time to shine. This should main event next week, but there's a lot of big matches for next week, so... We will see, but I'm very excited to see that. Tony Storm faced off with Zeta Ramir, the uh, the former AQA, um, I believe from Booker T's School of Wrestling in Texas. I'm interested to see what the plan is with Tony because she's really in a role of what are we supposed to do? And she's in a feud with Zoe Stark, which I think is a good move. You know, it gives a chance for Stark to shine while also giving Tony something to do. But who wins? Who wins? What do you do with Tony? I think you need to give Tony a win here, right? Because she lost to Zeta Ramir on the show. Zeta Ramir hit this beautiful shooting star press that just electrified the arena because, you know, they hadn't seen her before. Why would they expect that? It was awesome. She picked up the win. Shock win over Tony Storm. That's back-to-back losses for Storm. Uh, Stark definitely got her hands in. 
But I'm just wondering where this feud goes because I think Tony Storm needs a win. But Zoe Stark does too. Zoe Stark did beat, you know, she did beat Tony Storm on the pre-show of Stand and Deliver. I believe it's night one. But I'm just wondering where is where is this going? What is the what is the mentality behind this feud? Because both of them need wins, I think. Um, Tony more than Zoe, I think. I think she really needs a win because she's starting to lose a lot of momentum if she keeps losing. Bronson Reed versus Austin Theory. If Bronson Reed wins, he gets a NXT North American Championship match against Johnny Gargano. This match was pretty good. Austin Theory is a very talented guy who is, you know, going to be haunted by his past, and rightfully so. Had he just, you know, been, been someone normal, been someone that isn't... It, it's just such a shame that these people can be so wrong and so terribly minded to make these awful decisions... And essentially ruin their futures. It's just it's just a shame. Uh, Bronson Reed won, of course. And yeah, that's that's that. L.A. Knight had a promo. That's all. Uh, Pete Dunn had a promo, which was pretty good. Uh, he's kind of threatening to take all titles. He seems very determined. Nothing super special here. I look forward to seeing what they do with Pete. They're clearly protecting Pete. Pete beat Kushida. Kushida, the same man. The same man. Who is the Cruiserweight champion now? The same man. So, I'm interested to see what's next for Pete. Shotzi and Blackheart and Ember Moon versus the Robert Stone brands. Aaliyah and Jesse Camilla never got started as Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae attacked them uh, earlier in the show. Shotzi and Ember received flowers from Dexter Loomis, even though it really much feels like it was actually from Candice LeRae just to anger Indy Hartwell and get them, to, um, you know, Focused. I'm what next week will be another match between these two teams for the titles. And I is this no DQ or is it false count anywhere? It's one of the two, but you know, we're, we're going to be bookended by two really great matches next week. Um, Indy Hartwell was pissed earlier in the night. She had a funny thing, I forgot to mention this, where she. Yelled at Dexter Lewis saying you talk too much. Dexter Lewis didn't say a word, which was really funny. Um, but yeah, that is where we're going there. Adam Cole had a killer promo that makes me want to remind everyone who is listening to this that Adam Cole remains one of the best promos in professional wrestling. You're welcome. He is not going anywhere. Kyle Riley watched it from afar. Clearly these two aren't done. And Adam Cole is coming back. Finn Balor is coming back next week, which is worth Noting as well, there was a video for like an MMA looking faction team person called Diamond Mind. Diamond Mind. No idea what this means. We'll see, I guess. 
In the main event, MSK and Kushida, or as Kushida like to call him, MS Kushida, faced off with Legado del Fantasma. Awesome match. I like the way this match was structured. Um, it made Legato look really good, which I think was really important. I think Legato is so, so underappreciated on this show. And really in the world of wrestling, I think Santos Escobar, uh, Joaquin Wilde, and Raul Mendoza make up a really fun faction. I look forward to seeing what they do you know, outside of the cruiserweight division, especially Santos. The other two are in the tag division, so that's fine. But this was a really exciting match. Uh, they end, they ended up beating MS Kushida. This was the first loss for MSK in any fashion, which is notable. Uh, really good stuff here. Definitely worth checking out. And that was that was your episode of NXT this week. I thought I thought it was great overall. I thought they put forth a Herculean effort of sorts, which. That's all you can ask for out of NXT. They have found their voice three weeks of Tuesday nights, and I think that's what matters most. So, let's get to the Wednesday night show. All Elite Wrestling's Dynamite. Lots of intrigue here. You got Kenny coming off his big title win. You got Hangman Page versus Brian Cage to kick off the show. Um, as Heyman Page was making his entrance, Team Taz attacked him. Dark Order came to save him. Then the match was on, and Brian Cage dominated from beginning to end. And shockingly, Brian Cage got the win over Hangman Page with the drill claw. Um, it was a good way to, you know, somewhat protect Hangman, but also give him a loss. This is his first loss since full gear. This is his first loss since full gear, which is pretty crazy. Um. It, it was a good way to look, make Brian Cage look like a beast because Brian Cage should look like a beast. Team Taz should look like a beast. I literally have written in my notes right here, fuck yeah, Team Taz. I'm a big fan of Team Taz. They're my second favorite faction in AEW right behind Death Triangle, which I'm going to get to in a few minutes. But yeah, it was nice to see them get a big sort of win here. I mean, beating Hangman, it's hard to beat many people more highly positioned than him. So that was great. Kenny Omega had a nice little promo in the van saying how, you know, the elite are special case. He's untouchable, yada, yada, yada. Um, this led to the Young Bucks versus the Seidels, which was a pretty good match. Uh, match Jackson broke out the Johnny Cage um, groin punch, per se. Low Blow, um, Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat. A movie that just came out on HBO Max for those who like Mortal Kombat. Um, and they ultimately got the win, which was not shocking. SCU after the match cut a fantastic promo where they called out their former friends and said, we're just going to be happy to kick your ass and rid AEW of you. Um, for those who haven't been following with SCU, they said, next time they lose as a team, him and Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, they will break up once and for all. And essentially, Christopher Daniels will likely be on his way to retirement. Christopher Daniels is an all-timer, ladies and gentlemen. People don't recognize how great he is. He has his world title He has his world title win in the past, which is awesome. But it sure looks like double or nothing will be Young Bucks versus SCU, possibly for the last time ever. 
Jade Cargill continued her continued theme of saying, yeah, you're going to have to pay me if you want me to the managers, which I thought was pretty entertaining. Uh, she's, you know, clear star. Penta El Cero Miedo versus Orange Cassidy in a singles action. Really fun match here. I thought they had the match of the night. Uh, the best match on television over the past week. Um, you know, good back and forth. Alex, I can't say his last name. Um, he got involved and he ultimately was the reason that Orange Cassidy would win as the microphone that he had in his hand would be passed from Trent to Orange. Orange would hit the Orange Crush, Orange Punch, whatever it's called, with the microphone on Pentagon Skull, knocking him out and getting the 1-2-3. So I have a problem. It's just a personal problem. It's just preference. Phoenix and Pack. After, you know, this wonderful run as a team, this wonderful multiple matches that both of them were having on Dynamite, nowhere to be seen tonight. Not a not a even hint of these two. And I understand you can't have everyone on TV. I get that, I get that, I get that. But Death Triangle, nine times out of ten, is the best thing on your television show. So where are they? Like, I'm fine with Pentagon losing because of the way they did it. But where where is Pac and Phoenix? Just let, let's bring the trio's titles. Let's do something to keep them involved because, you know, they, they deserve credit. They deserve the attention. They deserve so much. They deserve so much. And I just want them to be involved more. That's all I'm asking. Let's continue on. Uh, Britt Baker was amped at the ranking. She was so happy. She was finally number one. She earned it. She earned it. Um, clearly, she's going to be facing Hikaru Shida at double or nothing. I think that is pretty set in stone. We had the parlay between the inner circle and... And the pinnacle for next week's Blood and Guts match, which is just war games for those who don't understand. Uh, Really good promos by FTR on Santana Ortiz. They really called him out and said, what do you guys become? Since joining the inner circle, you guys have been nothing like you once were. What got you to this part? And I thought that was great because I agree. Um, I think it's half AEW's booking, half, you know, they haven't just been themselves. Uh, Jericho cut a very good promo on the show. I didn't think it was like one of his best of all time by any means. So I thought it was a good promo. And M- M- uh, what the fuck's his name? MJF's name. Uh, MJF. MJF. Uh, in his face. Next week's gonna. You know, I'm excited. I think Sammy Guevara is going to have a star-making performance. I am picking the Inner Circle to win. Wait a minute. No, I'm not. I'm picking the pinnacle to win. I'm not picking the inner circle. I just think Sam Guevara is going to show. Yeah, I'm picking the pinnacle. That's that's on me. Eddie Kingston, Kenny Omega, and John Moxley. A nice little segment here where Kingston and Moxley threatened to break the ankle of Kenny Omega before Don Callis would give them a tag team match where Kenny Omega will team with Michael Nakazawa. Against them next week at the Blood and Guts show. 
Taz and Christian had a little back and forth where Christian said, sometime Team Taz is going to realize they would be better without you. Those are fighting words. Those are fighting words. Very good uh, promo, though, here. Uh, Chris Statlander faced off with Penelope Ford. This match was fine. Chris Statlander won. That's about all I got there. The Factory versus the Nightmare Family. Good match. Good match. Uh, the Factory showed up in Cody's bus. And after the match that the Factory won, thanks to Anthony Agogo's punches to the stomach. Uh, the fight was on. QT Marshall tried to escape. And who was back in the bus? But Cody. This was the return of Cody Rhodes. He fought QT Marshall. They got to the top of the van, locked on the figure four, and he stared out to the crowd saying, hey, I'm back. So that was pretty cool. In two weeks' time, John Moxley will defend the IWGP United States Championship on AEW Dynamite against legend, former IWGP world champion, Sorry, not world champion. For, against former IWGP heavyweight champion Yuji Nagata on Dynamite, May 12th. Huge match. Huge match. The Forbidden Door remains smashed open, if we want to keep saying that. You know, Hiroshi Tanahashi better get money every time that's fucking said, or I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be pissed. Give Tana all the money. Give him all the money. Uh, Miro beat the shit out of Kip Sabian. That was pretty cool. And Darby Allen successfully defended his TNT Championship against 10 in the main event. The match was fine. Um, but they had a cool moment for Brody before uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky beat them all down, attacked Sting before Lance Archer chased them off. So I have no idea where we're going with this. I really don't. Are we going to have Sting and Lance Archer versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky? I have no idea. I have no idea, because it started off like it was going to be Sting versus Lance Archer, which was weird to begin with, and now Lance Archer pretty much makes a save for Sting every week. It's weird, man. I just, I don't know. I don't know. You know, you, you do you. You do you. But that was uh, AEW for this week. The first hour was really good. Second hour, a little tough, but, you know, we get through it. We got a big stardom announcement. Um, due to, you know, the Tokyo and I believe it was Osaka areas in Japan being shut down as a state of emergency, Stardom had to cancel their Cinderella tournament finals, and they have officially announced what they will be doing with those moving forward. So at Cork and Hall on May 14th, the second round will go down. That second round involves Utami Hayashishita. Versus Siri, for those who are wondering. It also involves Mayu versus Rina. And... believe... That's it. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, maybe the people of those... Ma whoever wins those matches moves on. I don't know. I'm having a cluster. But then, the semifinals and finals will take place at Oda Ward Tokyo Dream Cinderella on May 29th. That's right. The Cinderella Finals will be live, which is very, very exciting. Can't wait for that. 
And that's essentially our show this week. The match of the week, however, um, for my viewing, was Tsukasa Fujimoto versus Sakushi Haruka from Ice Ribbon for the Ice Finity Belt. Fantastic match. Um, top 10 for me this year so far. I thought these two you know, had an absolute war. And I think anyone who, that appreciates great wrestling should check it out. So that's it for me this week. You can follow me at Scott E. Wrestling on Twitter. You can check out my articles at last on lastwordsports.com slash pro wrestling, where I continuously add stuff there. You can check my features out on Inside the Ropes. And you can check out my feature article on Tam Nakato on the Voices of Wrestling website. And definitely keep an eye out as there will be new stuff for all of those in the coming week. So until next time, guys, be safe, have fun, and make sure to keep tabs on the feed as the Hanakamura episode is coming sooner than sooner than I ever imagined. Like time is just flying, people. But uh, we've already conducted two interviews. We have a bunch more coming, so definitely check that out as well. Until next time, have a good one, guys. Mata bigak de